This week on Maroon and Bold, we talk about the Central Michigan women's basketball team, the men's basketball team, and everything Chippewa sports. Welcome in to Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Austin Chastain, here for Central Michigan Life. And sitting across from me is our staff reporter, Andrew Loveland. Andy, how you doing today, man? I'm fantastic. It's relatively warm Tuesday in January. I'll take it. I know. I, I walked to class in, in, in a t-shirt, albeit I did have a winter coat on over it, but just the just the t-shirt and the winter coat today for for that. So it wasn't it wasn't too hot, you know, walking to class today. But you know you know you know whose whose game is hot right now. Michaela Twin Kelly. Twin Kelly. Her her fifth Mid American Conference West Division Player of the Week award was announced Tuesday. Andy, I mean, you you've seen her you've seen her a lot more in person than I have this year. How how special has Twin season been so far? I think. It's not out of the range of what people kind of expected. I think we expected her to take the next step. But it's just consistently scoring, getting to the basket. And I look at a game like Saturday. She's not shooting the ball really well. But she's getting assists. She's getting rebounds. She's driving to the rim. So she's finding ways to just score and be effective even when she's not necessarily effective. And then I look at some games earlier this year. She's hitting the three ball, and if I'm the other coach, I don't know what I do because if she's hitting the three, it, the, there's nothing you can do. So it's almost like one of those things where, like, if I'm the other coach and Twins hot, I'm just going to let her score 80 and hope no one else scores. That's fair. She's averaging, what, 23.9 points per game? Second best yep. in the country. That Yeah. It, I, so I, I agree with you in the, in the right that. I think what we've seen from from her so far this year has been expected. Uh, maybe to maybe not to the level. I don't think we thought it was going to be twenty four points a game consistently. Like right. where that average isn't something where she scored forty five and then she's really averaging fifteen. It's like no, she's right about twenty twenty four every game. I, I looked. Uh, I, I don't remember which game I was writing about or talking about or whatever. But I, I looked at the stat. She has scored in double digits every single game. And she scored at least twenty points in all, but I think five or maybe six games so far this year. And you know, with CMU being what is it, fourteen and four, they've played twenty games, seven and zero in the conference. But, yeah, I mean, you think about it; it's eighteen games, and she scored at least twenty points in all, but maybe four, maybe five of those games. So we're talking. So that twenty four. Like she, I think she could be averaging even more. Yeah. If, you know, and everyone's gonna have a bad shooting night, so it's not like it's not like she's played. It's not like she's played bad in any one game. No, she's I, been. It's been very impressive to follow her season. Yeah, I I would say Saturday you could argue might have been her worst game of the season so far against Toledo. I mean, there was a point where Heather felt like she was doing too much and actually pulled her for an extended period of time and just. You could see the two of them talking on the bench, and I, we later found out from you know Heather that it was just you're doing too much, you're trying to force too much. I mean, she Maddie Waters is sitting in the corner wide open. Let don't be afraid to throw the ball. But so you're saying that's her worst game of the season. She finishes with 19 points and 11 rebounds. Like that's a double double, and you're arguably worst plus. Like not even you know including the defense. 
the defensive work she did against Nakia Black, where in the first half, I want to say Black had 15 points. She finished with 19, and a large part of that was Kelly just guarding her one-on-one. And so, yeah, I mean, Twins been impressive. I don't know what the ceiling is for her this season or even next season because she's pretty steadily increased her scoring and things like that over the course of the her time here at Central. So she's, you know, up like three or four points each year. And so you're like, next year, does that put you close to 30 points a game? Like, can you actually achieve that? Or is this what we're, we're at? And either way, I think Heather's going to take it. 24 points a game is... Is nothing to nothing to scoff at, right? And when we asked Heather Osterley about Twins' emergence and kind of taking that, not kind of, but taking that leadership role when Raina Frost and Presley Hudson both graduated, Heather said, "Look, there's there's no hiding for anybody. You can't, because I mean, come on, the all time career rebound leader in the MAC, the team's leading scorer last year in Raina Frost, the all time." CMU basketball leading scorer with Presley Hudson. And it's not to say that you can hide behind them, but, you know, they they got your back for sure. But what Twin has done so far this year, I think, has shown her teammates that, hey, I've got your back. And that's something that I think she's she really values. And that's something that she emphasizes um, is I got your back. If you mess up, hey, I got you, and we'll we'll be fine. And to to go off on the on the point that you made with sometimes Twin tries to do too much, the Green Bay game, the season opener, it looked like she arguably tried to do way too much, and and then ultimately CMU lost the game. But I think that was a learning experience for both her and for for Heather to say, okay, this is what we're recognizing. Twins doing a little bit too much, so let's let's get her out of the game, kind of settle her down a little bit, focus, and then she goes out and has a dominant second half. So it, it's, it's <laughs> for other teams in the MAC, I would be scared. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and I think you look at a couple of games where, you know, Twin hasn't had good quarters or halves, and there's a couple of those games I want to say maybe uh, one that comes to mind is Ball State where Central it, Twins not having a good game and CMU ends the half, the first half leading. And you're like, okay, she barely played. She was in foul trouble. She wasn't having a good game when she did play. When they get her back in the second half, if I'm Ball State, I'm literally scared because – that's the idea is you would hope you can take away Twin and stay in the game. So I think Heather's and her have a good enough relationship too where they can talk and Heather can yank her and say, hey, you're doing too much. You need to do the X, Y, and Z. And Twin will look at her and not necessarily argue with her, but understand like, yeah, you're right, coach. Like I need to do this. I need to recognize this. Because I think Twin realized like, yeah, I might be the best player on the team. And there are moments where she steps up and she I mean, you're not going to say dude does too much, but she just has to do a certain amount just for the team to be good. She'll score 10 points in a row, and that's she needs it. The t- Chippewas need her to do that occasionally. Right, and I for, I think it was a – I don't remember which game it was, but I think it was after she had won four straight – her four straight uh, Player of the Week awards. She said, look, I have to be cocky sometimes. That's mm-hmm. it, just like as, a, as the leader of the team, I have to be confident. I have to be cocky. Like – 
and and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. So just, that just kind of adds to that point of sometimes she just has to take over and seem you like you said seem you needs it when when she steps in, she steps up, and they just go out and take care of business. But you know, you know the 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 other thing with with how how well Twin's been playing is is the people around her, like she. I, I would argue she she makes the people around her a lot better, when, when you know when she's out there when she's when she's out there taking care. Of, and not to say that, you know the the you know the team you know just stinks without Michaela Kelly on the floor, but she certainly makes the team better. They're already good, but she just makes them better when she's out there. I mean, kind of that. Not supporting cast, but ever but the other the other folks out on the floor. Go out and take care of business. Yeah, I mean, I, you could very easily say you look at a player like Molly Davis, and she might graduate as the team's like all-time leading scorer. There's no question about it with how well she's already starting to play. We'll see how those four years play out. But there's also times, especially earlier on the season, where she looked like a freshman, where there's just, I won't say the moment's too big, but there's you're playing longer minutes. You, the season's longer. The t- competition's tighter. Like So... I think having twin, also a guard, being there to kind of mentor her, especially early on, she'll get two years of it, essentially, to to really help improve her. And you look at some of the other players, you know, like Akira Bustle can shoot the ball. I mean, we've seen the last couple of games, she shot the three very well. But she doesn't necessarily create her own shot from three. But twin driving and, you know, getting that penetration in the lane can kick it back out and really help create shots for Bustle, for Waters, who's, you know, we said was open for three a lot, Gabby Bird, you know, Twin really is the catalyst for this offense. And that's why, you know, when you start to look forward towards March and you're talking MAC championship tournament, you're talking, you know, potentially NCAA, Twin really is going to be what carries them and who carries them. Even if the other players are playing tremendous, it's it's going to rely a lot on Twin because that's who I think the opposing team is going to focus on. One way or the other. Yeah, agreed. And and when we kind of talked about it, but when she's on, man, she even when she's off, she's on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like you kind of already addressed, but just kind of looking at at the team as a whole. I mean, how how realistic do you think it is for? Because I mean, they're still undefeated in the MAC. You got that huge win at home over Toledo last Saturday, like you were talking about. How realistic? Is it for an expectation or, I guess, a, a not a guess, but, yeah, we'll go with expectation for CMU to make, to win the MAC, to just to, to blow through the MAC like, like they have been already, but to go out and maybe win the MAC title, is that a realistic expectation? I would say it's more than realistic. I would say that's, I mean, typically speaking, you think of expectations, and a lot of people want to say the media makes the expectations for various teams. But when you go to McGurk Arena and you watch the, you know, the pregame starters video with Jewel Cotton where she's, you know, back to back to back MAC champions, they've set that expectation themselves. You don't win the MAC regular season title three years in a row, the Division Four, you know, and not set the expectation that, hey, it's championship robust here. You know, you at least have to get regular season title and postseason title is expected. And so I think players, coaching staff all know it's it's championship robust and they're 7-0. You're every single week, 
You're getting, because of that championship that they've won and held on to for so long, you're getting every team's best shot. Not saying teams aren't playing their best all the time, but you really want to beat Central Michigan. You really want to see if you can beat them on their home court. And I think that's that's going to keep driving them as we, they go throughout the season. I mean, I look through the schedule, too. I see, you know, they have Buffalo tomorrow who, they, you know, they played last season late on and was a team that has the ability to give them trouble. You well, know. we saw it in the MAC tournament last yeah. year, and albeit there, a, a lot of a lot of folks argue that there were some questionable calls from from the officials in that game. Um, you know that Buffalo went out and 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 beat CMU. Um, you know, and look if if you want to say like, oh, the officials caused CMU the game. I mean. You can argue that all you want, but at the end of the day, Buffalo had more points at CMU. Yeah, that that's just, and that's what every coach will tell you. Um, well, I guess Sue said Sue Guevara uh, wonderfully said, "If you have ten thousand dollars, I will tell you exactly how I feel." And I, yeah. I really respect her. I really respect her. I never actually said that, but I really respect her for for saying that. But um, but anyway, um, but yeah, we Buffalo. Gave CMU a lot of trouble in that game, and, well, and that ultimately was, won the cha- won the conference. Yeah, and that was I mean that was last season, obviously. And you look at Buffalo this year, you're saying okay, they've got 13 wins, which overall, which is you know tied for second best in the MAC. The only team that has more wins than them is Central Michigan, but they're four and three in the MAC, which is not great. But you look at their team, and you know, Daisha Fair, she's a freshman, scoring nearly as much as Twin. I mean. I was just seventh in the country. Yeah, she's currently sixth in the country at twenty two point one points per game. And so, I mean, she's been coming off the bench occasionally in the last couple of weeks. So that's you know, that'll be interesting little wrinkle for for CMU. You know, can is she going to start? Is she coming off the bench? How do you game plan for that? So that's something you know, not many teams can put someone out there on the floor who's scoring as much as Twin is. That's that's rare, but. We'll see what they do with that. But past that, I just, I don't know. Like, a lot of teams are going to give them trouble. You look at, like, Ohio, you know, we saw Miami. Western's always, you know, rivalry game's always something. You know, Toledo again later this year. But there's not a game on their schedule where you go, they can't win that. No, and in, in looking at the rest of their schedule, I mean, the only two games that I really see them really having a, a lot of trouble with is the Buffalo game and potentially that Ohio game. I mean, two right in a row. Right. And and then everything, I mean, you got Northern Illinois at home, at Miami, at Bowling Green, or home against Bowling Green, home against Kent State, at NIU, the rematch against Western at home, at Ball State, at Toledo, and then you round out the season with Eastern Michigan. Yeah. I mean, okay, I, I, I take that back. I, I, I think that Toledo game could yeah, away. Yeah, it's away. It on the road. Yeah, Eastern's a team who could potentially give them hard time, but it's at home. It's senior day. There's going to be a lot of a lot of people there. It I think the the home court advantage will help them out there. Yeah. So, well, I think I mean they not dominated. They didn't dominate that game in, in at Eastern, but they see me I mean obviously going on the road in and and beating Eastern Michigan, a pretty, you know, pretty good team at home. I mean, it's not like they're 
a, yeah. a bad team in general, but especially going to their home court to the convocation center, one of the like one of like the, you know fifteen convocation centers in the MAC, which I know is three too many, but get off me. Um, <laughs> going to that, like I said, going to the EMU converse, convocation center and taking a win, and then all you got to do is just beat them at home to end your regular yeah. season. So, I mean, that sounds a lot easier said than done. I mean, but. when you're looking at it, the I would say the only potential danger you have in that game is if they don't lose, like if they beat Buffalo, if they beat Ohio, and then assume they like, run the table up until then. Yeah, it's senior day, but it's March seventh. The MAC tournament starts not the, you know within the next week. It, at that point, they would have you know a first round bye, so they wouldn't necessarily play two days later. But maybe you wouldn't have you know as many players. Pl- you know, maybe Twin wouldn't play a, a full amount of minutes. Maybe Molly would. You know, maybe you see like Cali Martinez for a lot more minutes, and some of those, you know, Shine Stricken Gills, and some of those other players where. You know, you're not necessarily not trying to win, but you want to get minutes right before the tournament time if, if you've already got the MAC locked up. Right. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see how the how the standings kind of shake out at that point. Because, I mean, you're absolutely right. Because I mean, if if they've got if they've got the regular season championship locked up, they're not they're not gonna. Yeah, I mean, no, they're not. She's not gonna sit everyone and start, you know. But she's no. But, but there's no, no reason to put Twin out there for 40 minutes. No, and, and risk injury when. She's probably going at that point to be in the conversation for player of the year in the MAC, and you'll have some of those some of those players. So we'll see. I mean, we can't predict that far, and the MAC is always one of those conferences where the top isn't that far from the bottom. Like, right. There, there's very few teams where it's like there's a, a large difference between the two. Right. Absolutely. And and I mean, like you said, you can go, you can look at each team one through twelve and say, look. Albeit, you know, Central Michigan, I would say, is a little bit better than the team at number 12. That's why they're yeah. in their respective spots. But, I mean, and, you know, that's why they play the game is yeah. to determine the winner and the loser, right? And whatever. So, I mean, obviously anything can happen. But, you know, I, I, I really do. I, I agree with you. I really like Central Michigan's chances and its ability to – to just kind of stay the course, not I, I guess stay the course. What I mean by stay the course is play its own game, mm-hmm. not not let the other team dictate the game. I think, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't really been. Like, I mean, I've obviously been following with our coverage at cm-life.com and with you and Christian, um, but you know, I haven't been able to get to many games and stuff like that. But I would say. Like just watching most of their games this season, even just ESPN, ESPN three, ESPN plus stuff on the road. The problem right now is if I'm any other school in the MAC, they're not even playing their best basketball. Like there's a quarter or a half every single game where they're just not playing well, <laughs> and it's it's frustrating to watch if you're especially if you're a fan, you know, watching that. But there's always at least a quarter where you're on the sideline and you're thinking. They might lose this thing, and then they just rally and fight back. And so, I mean, you they might not ever, you know, quite figure that out. But if they ever do, suddenly, oh, over. suddenly, yeah, this isn't such a close thing anymore. So, right, if they, and this, and Heather said it multiple times. I think every time that I've talked to her, at least, she always says, "We want to be playing our best basketball in March." Yep. And I know she, that's I mean, coach she, speak, but like when she said, I think she like. She, I think she means it differently. 
and and sorry to cut you off, no, but but because you're and and to kind of go off of your point, and I think by playing your best basketball in March is putting together forty minutes on what is it on on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday mm-hmm. in Cleveland. That's gonna be that's the ultimate time to put together 40 minutes. Put together that full game is March 11th through 14th in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, they definitely want to win the MAC for sure, and I think they'll have to. And when you've won the regular season title three years in a row, you that stuff's no longer even coach speak. Like, that's just fact. Like, y- you need to be playing your best basketball in March because everyone wants to knock, you know, the king off the mountain. But I wonder, you know, and I'll kind of pose this question to you, and there might not necessarily be an answer, but at what point does the women's team here start measuring, you know, not even measuring success on MAC titles, but, you know, NCAA tournament wins, where they might be going for a third or fourth straight year, and how many more after that, where they're a consistent NCAA tournament player? Right, and, I mean, obviously I mean, obviously they got that that at-large bid last year. Yeah, Exactly. Well, it, so they fell in the semifinal to Buffalo, and they still got the at-large seed. If I'm not, no, Buffalo had the eight seed. Is that right? Yeah, Buffalo had the eight, and Simeon had the nine. Right. So, so they're I mean, and, so okay. But anyway, I mean, uh, it, they're that close. Yeah. Right. Um. But and they'd be I on would, pace for it again this year. Right. If they kept doing this up, they could lose in the tournament and probably still make the tournament. Yeah, because I mean, they played the. Uh, they played a close game against Louisville. Louisville pulled away late, yeah. but, I mean, that game was close for, for three, three and a half quarters. For three quarters. And you look at that game, Molly Davis wasn't playing great still. You know, she was still getting her feet wet, where there's a potential they play Louisville again in March. And it, I don't know if they'll win, you know, but right. it'll be – I would say there's a chance they could win, and I don't think Louisville would just run over it and ignore some of the scouting. Right. No, I mean, that would be – I think it would be very hard for Louisville to beat CMU a third straight time. Yeah. Could happen. You never know. But just kind of looking back at CMU's schedule, I mean, obviously opening up with, with three straight losses, the close one, double overtime against Green Bay. The the Okay, 13 points, but it was a lot closer than 13 points against the number nine team in the country. Yeah. And then a game against Western Kentucky, which I'm sure all Chippewas fans care to – just move past up. And then they get the big win against Dayton, a Thursday noon game, which was a lot of fun to cover, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that was a game where that was a twin game where it was she scored the final 14 points and she scored all 10 of them in over uh, 10 of the overtime points. Right. So, like, that was a game where it was like, okay, she's not doing too much. She's doing the bare minimum for what this team needs to wit- her to do tonight to win. And I think, you know, we've hit like they should win the MAC, and now we're kind of like looking at twin. I don't see a player in this conference that can overtake her for player of the year, barring like major injury or a complete drop off of play from her, like ten points a game. Right, and obviously we, I know you weren't insinuating it, but we 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 never hope for injury here, just for whatever, you know. If you're listening and you think, oh, they're hoping for an injury, no, 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 <laughs> no. You know, she's a fellow student just like we are. We don't want anybody to get hurt for any any reason. But anyway, agreed. I mean, I don't – I mean, there's there's nobody that's won 
you know, at least I would say three or four, and I don't know that stat off the top of my head, but I don't think there's anybody that's won I mean, three or four more. There's been 14 weeks in the max season so far. She's won five player of the week. Right, <laughs> and Raina Frost won a ton last year. And, again, I don't have the number right in my head. I normally do, but not, not right now. But Raina Frost won it seemingly every week in the West Division. And she ended up being player of the year. Yeah, I mean, it, any way you wanted to look at it, statistically, Twins one of the best in most categories. If you wanted to look at most valuable to their team, you would have to pick Twin. I mean, there's there's not a lot of ways you could break it down and say, you know, I'm not I'm not picking her. Um, I don't know if she'll be able to get her sneak her way into like a national conversation. You know, maybe. Maybe into like a specifically like one of the best guards in the country, she might be able to get in there. But when you start talking nationally, I mean, what Sabrina Ionesca is doing in Oregon, and you know a couple other players around the country, I think you know it's it's going to be tough. You know, you've got a couple of good players down in Baylor that I just don't know if she can quite get in the national conversation yet, just with the way that. You know, NCAA sports typically work. Mid-major programs don't usually win individual awards on the national scale. But she could change that possibly. Yeah, and I mean, it's not out of the realm. I mean, that's why they have the national awards. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, she, I think she could sneak her way into some national conversations, like you said. I think but- she'll get in the national conversations. I just don't like when you think of like player of the year. I. Right. I would say most people voting on that are going to lean towards, you know, I mean, like I said, Ionescu is one who she's having a pretty good season out there at Oregon, and especially if they end up being a one seed in the tournament, you're going to have a hard – like I think people are going to have a hard time not voting for her. Yeah. A handful of players at Baylor. like. Yeah, no, I agree. I, absolutely. Um, kind of looking ahead, Wednesday night, seeing you on the road at Buffalo. And then Saturday – at home. At home, one o'clock in McGurk Arena against Ohio, a team that seemed you already beat on the road. A Gabby Bird three, which mm-hmm. we didn't even Is talk it? about Gabby Bird, but no. Uh, kind of looking Andy looking at, at this game, uh, against the Bobcats. What 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 are some of the keys do you think for for that game in particular? Well, I think anytime you're talking about this team, this year, you're looking for who is going to step up aside from Twin. You know, we've seen, you know, Molly Davis had 28 points. You know, as you mentioned, there's games where Gabby Birds had, you know, 20-plus points. She made the big three against Ohio the last time. You know, Kira Bustle's been the leading scorer. So every game it seems like Twin gets hers. You know, Molly will score, you know, 10, 15 points. And then somebody else steps up big. And you're saying who's going to step up big in this game and, you know, we'll find out. You know, Jahari Smith has been a player who started the season off really slow. She's still not offensively getting a ton of points-wise, but rebounding, she's looked different the last two or three games, which can really lift them, especially against Ohio, you know, who's been a good team. Like you said, they barely beat the last time. But I think when they come into McGurk, it's going to be a little bit different than playing at Ohio. That crowd, you know, really loves – this team, the community really always rallies around this team. So it's it's a different atmosphere. I mean, Saturday when Maddie Waters made that and one layup, it it was one of the loudest times I've ever been in McGurk. 
right? I saw the saw the video on on uh, our other staff reporter Christian Boer's Twitter. Uh, make sure you give him a follow at c Boer underscore. But yeah, I mean, I I I think you hit it right on right on the head, man. Um, CMU needs to find, I think, well, not really needs to find, but you know, if, if Twins having a bad game, like we've kind of already talked touched on, if Twins having a bad game, then somebody else has got to step in. But looking at it, what's uh, what's your prediction for that game on Saturday? Who you got? I I don't think I I think Chippewas will win. I don't think if you look at that game last time, Hooks uh, Sierra Hooks for Ohio was actually the leading scorer of all the players. There's not been very many games where a Twin isn't that player. So I don't think that they're gonna go out as a team. You know, not just Twin. I think Molly will garter Twin will garter. They'll switch. But I don't think she's gonna score 27 against them again. And I think she'll kind of go regress back towards you know 20 or less. And so I think that pretty easily gives CMU the win, you know, by five, six, seven points if if she can't get, you know, nearly 30 again. And, two, then you look at the stats again, like Twin was two for ten from three in that game. She's not probably not going to go two for ten again. And if she does, I I think they can still pull it out. All right, so Andy's taking the Chippewas in the women's game. Kind of looking at the men's side now, as part of the second part of the doubleheader that – on Saturday, uh, CMU got the big win at home over Ball State, um, moved into a tie for the lead in the MAC West at four and two with in the four with the four and two conference record. Um, you know, Andy, I don't I don't know if we really really talked. I think we talked about the men's team a couple weeks ago, but mm-hmm. kind of what's what what what's what are some of your impressions? at the moment of the men's team? Well, I think coming into the season, we're not quite sure what to expect with them. You know, were they going to be one of those top MAC teams? Were they going to regress towards the bottom? We weren't sure. And I think even after non-conference, we're still like, I, we don't know what this team was because they, I mean, they held leads as big as 18 and lost them in, you know, games. So I think so far in MAC play, I think you'd have to say like, they're pretty good. They're especially good at just, like, I, don't, I mean, it's kind of a buzzword, but, like, those grit, hardworking plays and just making sure, like, okay, like, we're going to try and get this win no matter what it takes and, you know, just gutting it out. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, it's it. that's something that I've noticed. The men's, I've been covering the men's team a little bit more than the women's team, but that's something I've noticed, too, is that they these guys just go out and make, make the plays that they need to make to win. Um, you know, if somebody's having a bad shooting night, they pick each other up. And I think, for the most part, the chemistry is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that's something that they can continue to improve on as we look toward February. Um, yeah. But I I really do think that the this team really has a chance to be special, mm-hmm. has a chance to, I'm not going to say go out and win the MAC because I don't, I don't th- realistically, I don't think they can. Um you know, obviously, they can prove me wrong because I think even more on the men's side, I think the the MAC is so much more competitive is even more competitive than it is on the women's side because looking at teams one through twelve, it's even more of a logjam. I mean, it's a logjam in the East, the West, just standings wise. You know, it's a little bit more open, I think. Um, 
But, I mean, like I said, man, it is just a log jam at the top of the Mac East standings. So it's 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 been really interesting to see just how – because, I mean, who, who was it? Kent State went on the road and beat Buffalo last week. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's not something that, A, is a fluke, and, and B, I mean, it just shows that the two-time defending conference champion – can even get beat at home. Like, it, it's not out of the realm. Nothing yeah. is out of the realm of possibility. Well, and it, it's even evident when you're watching these games. It feels like everyone is, every single game, it feels like is one minute to go and within two or three points. I mean, that hasn't been literally the case in every game, but there's a number of games where it actually is the case where it's come down to one of the last two possessions. And if you look across the conference, it feels like it's consistently happening across the conference, too. So I agree with what you're saying where it's just you don't know night from night who's actually going to be able to win the game and who's not. And I think, you know, as you go through the season, those close games are going to help them at some point. You know, when you're in that moment, you know, if you've played so many close games, you're going to be able to gut it out and you're going to say, like, okay, we've been here before. We know how to execute this and how to get it done. And so I don't agree with you. I don't know their chances to win the MAC. I don't think they – I mean, I – I won't say definitely, but I don't see him winning the regular season title at all. Postseason, I mean, anytime you're in the postseason, you oh, everyone has a chance. It's it's those close games, you know, can you get the last five possessions? But I don't see it necessarily happening for them. Right, and that's that's I mean that's that's fair. I mean with with the I, I don't want to say uncertainty of last year's team, but we'll go, we'll go with uncertainty because I can't think of another I can't think of a better word for it, but. You just didn't know, you know, if they were just going to come out and just blow somebody out, which they didn't last year. They didn't do that very often, uh, especially in conference plays. Usually they fell behind, then they came back and won. Uh, so it's it, and it's just been interesting to see the contrast, the comparison and contrast of last year's team to this year's team. How they're they're pr- kind of different, but yet they're I think they're more similar than anything else. Um, with the transfer guards, Devontae Lane, Deshaun Winston, and Trayvon Broadway Jr., all coming in and, and playing roles similar to what Larry Austin and Sean Roundtree played last year. It's just been interesting to see the team come together. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just a real quick touch on that point, not to necessarily interrupt you, but the build of this team feels very similar to the build of last year's team. And if you're looking at it, you're like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, like last year's team nearly won the Mac, you know, so in some ways it's good, but in some, like other ways, like you're saying, you're like, you didn't know night to night what to expect. And I some of that transfers to this year's team where you don't know. And I think part of that problem for them is you do have a couple of new transfer guards. How are they fitting in? And as the season progresses, maybe that chemistry will fully click, whereas it, you, we're seeing some of it now. But maybe we'll see more of it as we continue. But, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know what what this team is. I'll ask you this. Do you think this team is better than they were last year? Uh I don't think so. I I think last year's team was better because of the strong guard play from Roundtree and Austin. Those two man, those 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 two guys had such a great bond, had a great chemistry. And 
I'll be completely honest with you, it was really fun to watch them play because they just, with their energy, they just fed off each other. You know, if one was down, the other would pick them up. Like, it was, and, and neither of them got very down very often. But it it was just really interesting to see. And one game that sticks out in my mind was Eastern Michigan last year, again, in the Convocation Center, one of the, I think, I think actually five in the MAC. Um, Sean Roundtree was out with an injury, and I mean he was definitely their emotional leader, and he and he's out for the game, so he's he's still able to lead emotionally from the bench, but out on the floor. I mean, Dallas Morgan stepped in, filled the role nicely. Larry Austin did his thing. Kevin McKay, who we'll touch on here in just a second, played really well in that game. So it's just interesting. To kind of, cause I don't, I don't know who really would step up and and do that now, you know, with it, yeah I'd Trayvon agree with Broadway that. Jr., Deshaun Winston, and 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 Devontae Lane. I'm not, I'm not sure, and it's not to say that you know you're you replacing Larry Austin and Sean Roundtree, but it's just it's just been interesting to see to watch that transformation and see how how those guys have filled their roles and are still I think learning to fill those roles but I think they're do- I think they're doing I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah, I think they're doing about as well as you can expect. Like you said from two guys who it's not even necessarily about their ability but just how consistent they were. They brought it like you said every night and I think that's the hardest part. You know, you can fill 20 40 points what it, you know from multiple different people can pitch in five or six. But you can't necessarily bring, fill in like that consistent leadership and ability to just go out and get a play when you need it. But I mean, we're talking about somebody who does bring some of that leadership, and you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. But I mean, what does Kevin McKay bring to this team, and how big of, his, of an impact does he have this season? Well, he's he's been, I think, one of the big catalysts, kind of like the lightning rod of the team, if you will. And he, he does it so quietly. That's the thing. Like, he is the fly-under-the-radar kind of guy. Like, even the, the Northern Illinois game, when he hit the game winner with two-tenths of a second left, I didn't even realize how many points he had until I looked at the end of the game and I said, holy crap, this dude, he he finished with, with, with what was it, 30? 21, 21 points. points. Including the game winner? Yeah. I didn't even realize he, he had hit 20. Yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. Like, I, I mean, obviously I'd been reporting it, but it really hadn't registered. Like, oh, yeah, he's almost 20. He's almost got 20 points. Yeah. I didn't, like, anyway. Him, him, him missing, I think it was four games with an injury, That's that was that was huge for the team. Because, I mean, they... They were able to to take care of business in, I think it was only three games, that, right? Kent State, Toledo, and Buffalo, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Kent so State, he, he Toledo, so he Buffalo. missed three games. Excuse me, there. He only missed three games. Yeah, I came back the fourth game against Ball State. Right, right. Because that, that that game was in question. Yeah, we were. Yeah, that Correct. makes sense. Yep. But anyway, you know, in those three games that that he missed, I mean, Central Michigan lost twice. There are only two. Losses in the conference right now were Kent State and uh, Buffalo, and Kevin McKay did not play in either of those games. Yeah, and they actually, they actually got that first road win against uh, against Toledo without Kevin McKay too. But 
him being out on the floor, scoring 13 points against Ball State, and again, he did it quietly in 29 minutes. But he makes he's a big difference maker for yeah. the team so far. And um, my mind, again, goes back to that Eastern Michigan game when he just took over. And mm-hmm. he's taking over again this year. Been dealing with some injury struggles. And now he's he's supposedly, I mean, he's if he's healthy enough to play, he's, you know, that's kind of what Keno Davis was saying is when he's healthy enough to play and to really continue, we'll bring him back. And he's obviously back and ready to, to take care of business and go. look looking to finish out the max season. Yeah, I think that getting him back at this point in the MAC was really good for them because if he misses two or three more games and you don't pick up those wins without him, now suddenly you're in a hole and it's a lot more difficult to climb out of that because you almost would have to go undefeated the rest of the season. And now, you know, that he's back, like, there's not as much pressure on, like, not losing. You know, you can lose a game or two. But so... Who who would you classify so far up to this point as your MVP for this team? I'm gonna be really lame. Okay. I'm gonna be I'm gonna take two, but I'm gonna put emphasis on one if that makes sense. Okay. Go for it. So I'm going to go with David DeLeo. He has been one of the top shooters for the team. He has been one of the um, He's, he's been a leader both on and off the floor, so to speak. Um, the the big thing is is he he gets it. He he understands, you know, this is his senior year. It's his mm-hmm. last chance. And he's, more than anything, just trying to enjoy the ride. But um, he, that's the big thing is, is he, he gets it. He understands everything that Keno has been teaching him for the last four years. And it's been it's been really impressive to see his progression from last year to this year um and it looks like he might be having a little bit more fun out there and and enjoying the game a little bit more um maybe going back to the to the fact that he is a senior yeah Um, and the other guy and i think i'm gonna put more emphasis on this guy as i just talked about him kevin mckay again he too is a senior he too understands that this is it. I mean, he can obviously t- you know try to play prof- you know go try to play professionally, but in terms of playing at CMU, this is it. Mm-hmm. So he's he's been un- he he understands too that this is his last year playing in McGurk Arena, and I mean looking at the stats, I mean he scored in the games that he's played, he's scored in double digits all but twice. The only two were six points against Michigan Dearborn in the opener when David DeLeo and Dallas Morgan both just went absolutely crazy and scored a ton of points. And then seven points at Purdue when nobody honestly played that well against the Boilermakers. But, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a Big Ten team who – one of the better Big Ten teams. I was going to say, pretty good Big Ten team that beat Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken, by at least 20. Maybe not off the top of my head because I don't – necessarily have the stats right in front of me but but I mean 24 against Youngstown State is McKay's season high and like I said it's just been he's been consistent you, you used that word earlier with Lane and the other guys but he's been consistent 
and I think, and he really he really brings the team together even more when he's out there, because uh, I think they do play pretty well together, regardless. But when he's out there, man, he he brings that chemistry together. He's calling plays. He's helping. He and Lane both put guys in the right spots to score, and if you know if nobody's open, then he just takes it to the rack himself and and he scores. So, um, I'm I'm gonna go with Kevin McKay as my my MVP so far. Uh, David DeLeo is a very 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 close second though. Hey, fair enough. A four four year Central Michigan player, Kevin McKay. Yeah, that's right. You got anything else, my guy? No, I'm. That's it. That's what I got. All right. Keep watching basketball here. Yeah, and speaking of basketball and and interacting with the fans, um, we're still gonna take questions from you guys. Uh, make we'll post we'll post the actual email address and and our our Twitter feeds and stuff like that on our social media social media platforms. So if, always, guys, feel free to ask us anything about the CMU women's team, the CMU men's team. Um, we are happy to answer all of your questions. We'll answer a couple here on the podcast, and if we get enough, then we'll be able to answer them in a written piece. So make sure you ask all of your questions about CMU basketball, and we'll be happy to answer them for you. But other than that, I believe that's that's all we've got, like you said, Andy. So for and Andy Loveland, I am Austin Chastain. Thanks you, thank you so much for listening. And make sure you always follow along with us at CM Life, at CM Life Sports on Twitter, and as always on cm-life.com. Again, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll talk to you guys next week when we meet again.